Welcome to this week's bonus interview on the Prairies of Rest podcast. I'm your host, Asherita Chuchu, and in our season of praying through hard emotions, this week we prayed through loneliness, and I invited Bonnie Gray to come and share her story with us. Bonnie is an author of the book Spiritual White Space, as well as her new book, Sweet Like Jasmine. She's also host of the Breathe podcast, and we have similar hearts and passions for leading listeners and readers into genuine encounters with God through his word and through prayer. In this episode, Bonnie shares her story of why she struggled with loneliness, even though she had a lot of friends and was super involved in church, and how God tenderly led her into a place of being seen and being known and being loved. It's such a beautiful story. I especially appreciate the insight that Bonnie shared from her therapist about how God created our brains to cope with trauma and the very beautiful way that our Heavenly Father brings good things out of the hard parts of our lives. All this and so much more here in this bonus interview with Bonnie Gray. So let's jump right in. Bonnie, well, thank you for joining me. This week, we're praying through loneliness. Um, and this is something that I, as I'm, I'm pondering it, I want to say, I don't know that I'd be comfortable saying, oh, I've had lonely seasons. I feel like that's almost embarrassing to admit because we should all have friends. Like we, it, It's almost a reflection on us if we have um, a, a bout of loneliness or if we've walked through loneliness for an extended period of time because we're in a world where everyone's connected, where everyone has friends, everyone is following each other. And yet at the same time, what we're seeing psychologists and sociologists point out that we are uh, a more lonely generation than ever before. And so I'm grateful that you are coming to share your story with us of how God has walked with you through seasons of loneliness and and what that looks like today. So I wonder if you could drop us into a specific moment in time where you realized this is something that I'm, I'm struggling with right now. Well, I think that my body was telling me that I was lonely. I didn't know the word loneliness was associated with me because I did have a lot of friends. I was serving in church. I was the Bible study teacher that taught other people how to do Bible studies. I love being around people. I love gathering people together. And it's like a role that I've always taken on, the encourager role. That always connected me to people. But interestingly enough, and oddly enough, I started experiencing anxiety and panic attacks when I became a mom when all the experience I had up to that point in overcoming hard things, I felt like I had an exhale, like, Ooh, I made it through a rough childhood and now I'm officially okay. I'm a mom. I'm going to start, you know, a new story. And it was during that season that I started experiencing depression and anxiety and panic attacks. And I didn't even understand like why. So at the time my body was telling me I was lonely. I didn't know it was called loneliness. It was just me stressing out and I didn't know why. Can you describe that for us? Like, what does that mean that your body was telling you that you were lonely? What did that look like? Well, 
I, at the time, I didn't know that that was the word. So for instance, I'd wake up kind of like feeling like in a funk or in a fog. And I would just kind of brush it away like I always did. I grew up the oldest in my family. And my parents divorced when I was seven years old. And so and what was kind of different about me is that I was born in San Francisco, Chinatown. My mother was a mail order bride from Hong Kong. My father was a busboy in a noodle shop. I grew up living below the poverty line. And so those are kind of elements of my story that I never told anybody. Um, because when I connected with people, whether it's church or at school, I mean, nobody could relate to that kind of family life back at home. So I didn't talk about it, you know, because I mean, who would understand and what did it matter anyways? Those are the kind of ways I would talk to myself, you know, and because I was the oldest when my, my dad left when I was seven, you know, I take on that bigger sister role, taking care of other people, just be strong. Don't, if it's going to bring anybody down, just don't say anything, you know, like only say things that can add to other people's happiness or joy. And so that's kind of how I grew up and God used it, you know, obviously in ways to help me overcome hard things and it blessed other people. And I was able to connect really well to people because I was kind of that natural, cheerful, optimistic type girl. But, um, like I said, when I became a mom, I, I didn't understand why it was during this time when I finally, you know, quote unquote made it, you know, like had a loving husband and wanted to start a new legacy of faith that I, I started to experience these symptoms and I didn't understand why. So I was like waking up in a fog. I, I found I couldn't really fall asleep very well at night, you know, having insomnia. And at first it was just kind of okay, but it just started getting to a point where it was getting worse. And that was really um, scary for me because my identity has, was wrapped up in so much in being the encourager, being the strong one, being the, the happy, cheerful one. So when you start experiencing these kind of negative emotions, it's like immediately my first thought was, uh-oh, what's wrong with me? Mm. And so it was only later as I go through this journey of um, learning, like I'm not just... God doesn't just want me as the encourager. He wants me as, um, he wants all parts of me. He wants to love me. He wants me to take better care of myself. He wants me to say no when I have always said yes. <laughs> he wants me to speak the truth in honesty. You know, do things that I want to do and stop doing things that I actually didn't want to do, but I didn't want to let other people down. I didn't want to disappoint others. So it was like a whole new journey of learning who am I as the beloved? Hmm. What does that mean to actually be God's uh, beloved daughter? I mean, I, I did, I just, this was just a whole new territory for me, but it began with me feeling a lot of, you know, you know, like for instance, I, I started like just feeling tired all the time and not wanting to engage. I'd rather just be alone a lot more. So these are things that were very like unsettling for me because my, you know, I'm used to being with people. I'm used to like encouraging others. So it wasn't until later I learned that, you know, I used to say, well, these private things that I worked through with God, you know, it's between me and God, you know, these hard things that I went through or things that my mom said, or like, where was my dad? Or, 
you know, why did this person say things that like hurt me? Like that's kind of judgy, you know, but I never said anything because I didn't want people to in my life to look bad or I want I didn't want to discourage other people. So I just kept them hidden in my heart. But God showed me that those things that I felt were private between me and God. It's actually another word of for lonely. Mm -hmm. That private inner life I had with God, actually, God was showing me, Bonnie, that is loneliness. The, all these different parts of your life, your personality, the things you've walked through, because you've kept them to yourself, that is loneliness. That is an internal loneliness. So it's not social loneliness. Now, during the pandemic, that's ex exacerbated because we often escape our loneliness by doing more, being with others, you know, serving others. Those are not bad things, but they cover up our loneliness. Yeah. Um, and so my body was telling me, you actually need more love and care. You need to like share more about what's going on in your inner life and your private life. <laughs> actually, there's no private actually in, in God's kingdom. Um, we're to bear each other's burdens. We're supposed to encourage each other, not by, you know, doing more, but by saying, you know what, this is actually how I'm feeling. This is actually what's happening in my family with my mom or with my children mm. or in my marriage or in my finances, whatever it is that we all wrestle through and struggle with. Yeah. I, I appreciate you bringing up just several things that, that I want to highlight here. And, and one of them is that when I think our gut instinct, when we see those negative emotions or those hard emotions popping up is to either shove them down or to say like, like you said, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? I, sh I shouldn't be feeling this way. And I think one of the helpful things in this season that we've been talking about and praying through is that when we see those emotions popping up, they are God's invitation to us to slow down and to say, wait, what is my body telling me? What are my emotions trying to signal to me? Like, I need to slow down and pay attention to these things and process them with God in prayer instead of pretending they don't exist because they make me feel uncomfortable because they're hard emotions that good Christian people shouldn't feel all these um, narratives and scripts that we have. And, and one thing I, I appreciate you pointing out is that loneliness is not um, being a hermit. <laughs> it's not necessarily social isolation. Like you can be with a lot of people and still be lonely because I think what you pointed out is um, this dynamic of being known and being loved for who you truly are. Uh, can you speak a little bit to what what did those first steps look like for you for for you to identify? Okay, my body's saying something. I'm I'm realizing there are parts of my story that I've not shared because I feel like no one can relate to it or. I feel like I'm supposed to embody the role of the cheerful encourager. Um, but, but once you realize, no, this is something that I need to deal with, what did that look like for you? Well, I think for myself, because it, my body was telling me this, like I probably would have never like went on this journey of addressing my loneliness if my body wasn't telling it to me. Because, you know, this kind of uh, role that we as women take as caregivers and putting our emotions to the side is um, almost like natural, like our, whether it's our family expectations or cultural, or we're used to just being strong, whether it's our work. I think it's 
it's, it's, it's a good thing. You know, like you said, once my emotions, I realized, Hey, my emotions are giving me a signal. And I started learning about soul care. So I have a podcast called breathe the stressless podcast. I wrote my first two books, whispers of rest, finding spiritual white space about my journey to learn that my body was actually God's loving way of touching my heart. So previously I was just pushed through, but because, you know, I couldn't anymore, I got to the panic attack stage <laughs> where you like can't even sleep. You're just waking up in a fog. I mean, I now see it as like something healthy. When it first happened, I was like scared. I'm like, Oh no, this is something you need to fix. But now I'm like, no, actually, it's something that's bringing me back home to myself. Um, I learned through seeing a PTSD expert, a therapist, which I'd never seen a therapist before. So I did it very secretly. I didn't want anybody to know. But um, I was just talking to him to get a, a recommendation, a referral, like it was a problem I needed to fix. And he's like, well, Bonnie, did you know that um, what you're describing is PTSD? Because there's nothing bad happening in your life. But your body is telling you, you know, you're not feeling well. He's like, that's a classic case of PTSD. And I was like, I, I'm not a soldier. I never saw anything violent in my life. He said, well, did you know that emotional abuse and verbal abuse has the same impact as physical abuse? And I'd never heard that before. I was just like quiet. <laughs> I was in denial. I was like, but wait, I mean, everything is good in my life. I mean, if, if, if. This is PTSD. Why is it happening when I was going through harder times early when I was a child or as a, you know, college student, um, you know, going through life alone? I have so much support now. And he said, well, did you know that a soldier doesn't experience panic attacks or anxiety when he's on the battlefield, when he's being strong, resourceful, helping others? It's when he comes home, when he feels safe. That's when the nervous system that God created, he was a Christian therapist, but he said, God created our nervous system to protect us when we need to be strong, when we need to survive, we need to get through those hard times. But when you're in a safe place, that's when your body relaxes and it's able to then experience what you could not at the time when you needed to be strong. So he said, it's not that your faith is failing because immediately I was telling him, oh, but I'm praying, I'm memorizing Bible verses, I'm worshiping God, you know, all the things that I think shame us when we talk about our loneliness, like, well, are you praying? Well, are you trusting God? And, and um, just to bring it up, it's actually unintentional gaslighting. There's malicious gaslighting, which is somebody, you know, trying to, you know, manipulate you to you know, by malicious gaslighting, what that means is telling you something that's different from your reality, your experience reality, but there's unintentional, which is like, you know what, I can't deal with your negative emotions. So I'm just going to tell you that there's something wrong with you. You're not trusting God. You're not praising God. You're not praying, you know, whatever it is. And so this therapist, he's a Christian therapist. He's very expert PhD. He said, no, it's actually, it means your faith has been strong. It's the opposite. It means you've done good, girl. You know, like you've overcome hard things. And now it's time for you to um, use your faith in a different way. Use your faith to bring your emotions to God. So connecting it to what you're doing right here, right now with our listeners is about praying through loneliness and rest. It's bringing those emotions to God, all of them. 
And so, you know, when Jesus said, come to me, those who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, it says rest for your soul. So we immediately, when we have a negative emotion, notice Jesus doesn't say, come to me happy, come to me cheerful, come to me with a plan. Uh, No, Jesus says, come to me as you are, weary and heavy laden. Those are negative experiences of our humanity. He says, I'll give you rest for your soul. He doesn't say rest for your mind. So we immediately go to the truth in our mind. Like, you know, tell ourselves the truth. That That is true. That is one aspect of loving God with our heart, mind, and soul. Okay. So our mind, we do need to know the truth. But when we've done that and we still like, hey, we're still not feeling good. Okay. Then we go, we try to use our heart. Our heart is where we make decisions and we take action. We try to take actions to like get ourselves out of the ditch of our emotions. Well, guess what? That is not the entirety of what God wants. We need to love him with our soul, meaning we need to bring our emotions to him and say, you know what? The way to address these emotions is not to talk at ourselves through them. That is one aspect, but we need to actually nurture ourselves. We need to say, this is where I'm at. I need to talk to somebody. So I had to start finding um, some new friends because a lot of the friends that I had were people that I served with in ministry and we talk mostly about things we're doing. So I need to, you know, some of the actions I had to take is I had to every day do something that was good for my body. I had to learn about soul care. That's what I wrote about in Whispers of Rest. But I had to learn what are the things I actually had to do to take better care of myself to experience God's love. So we often say, you know, I just need to know God loves me and he accepts me as I am. Okay, that is true. We know this. What am I going to do, though? What are some of my decisions I need to make? Well, guess what? I need to say no to this serving, you know, using so much of my time that I'm exhausted. And I need to make space to go take a walk. Every morning, (laughs) studies show that if you take a 10 minute walk, the serotonin is going to get released. Our body's going to feel better. Well, gosh, I mean, I wasn't taking a walk every day. Oh, but that doesn't even seem spiritual. What productivity is there in taking a walk? Well, guess what? That's the first priority for me once on this journey. I needed to take that walk. So now it's become a bedrock of my, 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 my rhythm in prayers with God. I pray best. I found out when I'm taking a walk. Yeah. So now my, my whole, my whole devotional life has changed. Previously, my devotional life was opening up the Bible and doing the Bible study, doing inductive Bible study. And that fed me obviously for, you know, decades. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a bedrock, right? But now it's changed. Now it's about taking that walk. Cause I know when I take that walk, so many thoughts and feelings come into my mind. And that's when I start talking with God. It's a really rich soulful experience that I'm with him on that walk. I mean, I would love to talk more about that walk. Maybe if you, if you have a few moments, maybe after we wrap up this conversation, we'll stick around and record in a bonus segment for our Patreon prayer partners, because I'd love to talk more about your, your prayer walking specifically what that looks like. But one of my next questions was actually going to be about who came alongside and walked alongside you in this journey um, from, from loneliness in terms of there are parts of myself and there are parts of my story that no one knows. And I don't even want to acknowledge about myself. Like I don't want to go there um, to a place where, where you are healthy 
in your mind, in your body, in your soul, in your heart, a, a holistic health. Uh, because I think that's, I think of, of the verses in Isaiah where Jesus says that he has come to proclaim freedom, to proclaim rest, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There is a picture of flourishing that God has in mind for us. Yes, an eternity uh, when when everything is perfected, but I think that starts here and now. His kingdom is moving in the world now, and he wants us to walk in that. And before you answer that, I just, I, I wanted to draw attention to this, this thing that your therapist said, which by the way, I think every guest this season has mentioned their therapist. And I'm so glad <laughs> because I think uh, many of us m- may have grown up in church traditions that kind of shunned that that all you need is reading the Bible and prayer. You don't need anyone else to tell you what to think or how to process. But um, the Holy Spirit gifted the body with people who have wisdom, with people who have discernment, who have these spiritual gifts to listen to our stories and then to help walk us through these, these hard times in our life. And so I love that he said that God created our nervous system to protect us because we are able to cope with horrendous things in our lifetime. And then when we are safe, when our bodies feel safe enough to process, that's when we start experiencing some of those hard things. Um, and I know that's been true in my life where it's like, how did I make it through 10 or 15 years of, of this difficult circumstance? And now like five or 10 years afterwards, that's when I'm dealing with the aftermath of it. So I'm, I'm grateful. Thank God for godly Christian therapists, for Christian counselors, for spiritual directors, whatever you want to call them, if you are not connected with someone, um, make a point to ask your pastor who's someone that that they would recommend to walk you through this season as you're listening to this. But Bonnie, share with us, who are some people that, aside from your therapist, walked with you through loneliness, through the process of of taking care of your body and and being aware of what your soul needs for health and and moving into a place of, of health? Well, you know, this was really a big surprise to me because I realized that people in my inner, uh, a lot of my inner circle were people that I served with, and they actually were not the candidates for people that are going to be the ones that I, I could share these hard stories with because they could only handle me being that leader. They can only handle me being the, the teacher, the encourager, and they didn't know what to do with, you know, I would kind of share a little bit. They wouldn't know what to do or to say, or to respond. And in some cases they said things that were very hurtful, which, you know, we won't go into here, but it's, I, I, I'm not upset at them. I understand because if you're not in it, you're going to, you can't deal with the hardness of it. <laughs> you know, you just, you just, maybe people are already carrying their own burdens and they, they don't know how to process it. So interestingly enough, I started finding other people that three, three, three people I didn't know that I had to do. But, you know, I felt empowered after I met my therapist and he was a PTSD expert. I wasn't shameful of this journey anymore. I realized there's a whole new world that I never knew about, that um, this is something that is, you know, with our nervous system and that, you know, when I thought about the soldier, I related to the soldier. I mean, I would never tell a soldier it came from the battlefield. Well, you just, you know, don't talk to anybody. Don't try to get anybody to help you because you just got to like get through it. No. So I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like that soldier, except I went through emotional, you know, and verbal uh, abuse 
And so, oh, I get it. I was no longer afraid. And in fact, that's why I wrote these books. I'm like, if somebody like me <laughs> that, you know, quote unquote, did everything right is experiencing it, then, oh, how many women, especially as we become moms, you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I, I can't let anybody know there's something wrong. No, 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 sisters. It's because you're like awesome and you're wonderful. And God's like wanting to love on you. It's you're the priority now. So I had to find people three Three people I didn't expect. One, I had to go back into my past. I actually went back to find my mentor. She discipled me when I was um, in junior high. I felt safe with her. I went back to like my childhood. I'm like, I did not talk to her in decades. She never knew any of the stuff that was going on at home. I was like, Marianne, I need to talk to you. I'm totally not doing well. I need to talk to somebody. Can you? Can I talk to you? She was so gracious. I hadn't talked to her in decades. She's like, oh my gosh, Bonnie. You know, she dropped everything and came over and we just, oh my gosh, we had a crying, tear fest, joy catching up. And that was so wonderful. She became the you know first person. Second person I turned to, was um, looking for people that were not serving in church because I was having anxiety panic attacks. I couldn't like do all the things I used to do. I was hanging out on the side of the patio, just being the quiet person, which was new to me. I'm like an extrovert. Suddenly I couldn't be the extrovert. I met so many quiet people. I loved being with the quiet people. I didn't have to do anything, teach anything. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing this week? Do you guys want to go out for some Thai? I've been looking looking for some Thai food. I'm really craving it. I started becoming friends with people that just like weren't serving in anything. But guess what? I had such a great time with these new kindred spirits. And these people were the people that were much more open talking about life and not having to feel like I had to prove anything to them. So I began to make new friends. And these friends became more artistic souls, more people that, you know, are going through their own journey of healing. And I got feel like I could just talk about anything and they got it. So now it's like I have a new way of finding friends. I'm like, hey, if somebody is open with their stories, you know, I know I, I'm safe with them. And then um, the third person I started um, hanging out with was, um, you know, as I started sharing my stories with some people and what I was learning, interestingly enough, I started having women coming to my home. So even as I had anxiety or panic attacks, I just had a few small people. It wasn't big anymore, like a whole room of people. It's like four to six, eight people. And then I was just sharing with them what I was learning. And these became my books. And so I really enjoy small group ministry now. So even though I'm writing books that are really um, large with large platform, my goal in writing my books and my podcast is to encourage people to have these small connections because that's where you can really be honest. That's where transformation happens. It's not in writing an Instagram post or sharing a, a video on Facebook that you're going through something. I mean, that maybe for some people that's a step in the journey, but the transformation happens in life on life relationships on people who know you, <laughs> who know your family, know your children, know your day to day life and can listen to you when you're having those hard moments, who can remind you of truth when you're starting to spiral, um, people who have permission in your life. And that that's so different than someone, you used the term gaslighting earlier, right? That's so different from someone who's, who just bulldozes in and wants to tell you exactly how to uh, correct everything that's wrong because you being transparent somehow reflects poorly on them, right? I think, I think that's part of um, 
what you were describing with these friendships in ministry, that it was difficult for you to be open and transparent with them because they needed you to be the strong leader. And if you are not the strong leader, then where does that leave them? Um, it's a an unhealthy codependency that we often experience in ministry. So it's different when there's someone who has your permission to come alongside you, who you have invited into. I want you to experience, this is me behind the curtain. This is the good. This is the hard. This is the ugly from my, my childhood or my history. This is what I'm struggling with right now. And and that is so biblical. <laughs> that is what church is, that the early century churches were small gatherings of maybe a dozen, maybe two dozen people. Um, and that that's not to say you can't be part of a big church. Like my family's part of a large church here, but we're also connected to our small community group. Those are the people who know me. Those are the person I texted this morning to say, hey, I'm working on this new project and this is the part that was great and this is the part I'm struggling with and and she's able to text me back and encourage me. I so appreciate, Bonnie, that you're, you've been in the trenches. (laughs) You've done things the I'm I'm using air quotes, good Christian girl way. (laughs) And you're willing to kind of point to where that falls short because we're not called to follow a formula. We're called to follow Jesus and, and he will lead me. He will lead us into green pastures. He will invite us to lay down beside still waters. He's the one who wants to restore our souls. He has no stake in burnt out Christian servants who are just pushing themselves harder because we feel like we have something to prove to someone. So thank you. Thank you for that. As we wrap up, I would, I'd love to hear what does addressing these, these pop-up emotions of loneliness when, when they still come up, how does that look like differently for you today than it did five, 10, 15 years ago? Yeah. So the rhythm that I live by every day is every day I need to find a word of affirmation from God, something that he's speaking to me. And second, I do something that helps my body feel God's love. And so I'm an engineer by trade. So I've done a lot of research on what are some of the things that, um, you know, people talk about in terms of self-care, but I connect the self-care to God's loving word. So I do something loving for my body every day. And it could be something very small. It could be like, you know what? I want to make a banana smoothie. <laughs> I'm going to take time to go run to the Safeway and I'm going to like, you know, make a banana, you know, get the ingredients for a banana smoothie. They seem trivial, but when you connect it to God's love and say, I am not what I do. I am who I'm becoming. You know, that that is important. That is a priority more of who am I becoming? And what am I doing to nurture? Because, you know, now scripture looks totally different. How can we comfort others if we haven't received the comfort ourselves? The priority in Corinthians is comfort others with the comfort we first receive ourselves. So now that is like anytime I encounter something, you know, whatever I'm feeling, I prioritize that. And I'm going to deprioritize. I'm going to decommit. I'm going to reshuffle my schedule so that I can be able to take care. And also, like you said, prioritize the uh, in-person experiences with my friends or my children or my husband. The whole journey of healing all requires in-person. 
Listening now is a holy practice for me. I hope you were as encouraged as I am to hear Bonnie's story of a God who sees us and knows us and loves us just the way we are. If you're struggling with loneliness, I encourage you to go back and listen to this week's prayer episode as we pray through being lonely and and bring those emotions before God and allow Him to do His perfect work in our hearts. You can find that episode by scrolling just to the previous episode in your podcast feed, or you can go to prayersofrest.com. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, Bonnie is an author, and her most recent book, Sweet Like Jasmine, um, just shares the story of how God uncovered layer upon layer of who he made Bonnie to be and how he loves her. That book is actually the number one newly released Christian biography and also the first Asian American story to hit the top 100 in Christian biographies. I have a copy of it and I am reading through it right now, so I encourage you to get a copy as well. And Bonnie shared that she's also offering a free guided spiritual direction prayer journal when you go to the website for that book, which is sweetlikejasmine.com. So friend, if this interview resonated with you, I would love to hear about it. You can snapshot a picture of this episode and share to Instagram stories. You can tag me, tag Bonnie. She's at the Bonnie Gray. Or you can also leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I am so appreciative for the ways that you share this podcast with your friends And I would love to hear any feedback you have for how to continue serving you here. The Prayers of Rest podcast is a production of One Thing Alone Ministries, helping you enjoy Jesus through creative spiritual habits. A big shout out, of course, to our Patreon prayer partners. It's their generous financial giving that brings you this podcast each and every week. Also, thank you to Angie Elkins for her editing assistance and to Robert Elkins for the wonderful music in the background. Thank you to Kendra Stanton as well for scheduling and producing this show. And thank you. Yes, you. Thank you for joining us here today. Until we meet again, may you find rest in God's loving presence.